Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, and thank you oh so much for the many, many blessings you've poured upon us all throughout this day. Now the awesome opportunity once again to get back into your word. Help us now as we do that. We pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Bible study of me to Z in the word judgment, if you will turn to Romans in chapter 5, where it speaks of being justified. And justified here meaning being found innocent. So how can we be found innocent? By trusting in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and through the atonement, then we are therefore washed clean of our sins and found innocent because of the free gift that is available through the finished work of Jesus Christ and the belief and trust in that finished work. All right, right into it here. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, that's faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now the hope that he's speaking here is, like we've said so many times, hope is that confident anticipation and expectation of the fulfillment of the promises and prophecies of God. So when we have that true hope, we have the confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ, in His Word, in His promises, in the prophecies, by the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost, He brings that as one of the fruits, that hope. As it continues, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't come down and die for all those that were obedient. He died for those that were disobedient. He paid the ultimate price of all mankind's sin, past, present, and future. He took all of that on by grace, made it available, thus giving him the qualification and authority to judge. He's much more than being now justified by his blood. Notice, by his blood, not by our works. It isn't that we became so holy and so righteous, then he came down and did that for us. No. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now that wrath is the wrath that's going to come upon all mankind that do not accept his finished work. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Now verses 13 through 17 are in parentheses. 
explaining what he just said. Reads, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no sin. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgressions, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. As I said, verses 13 through 17 is a little deeper look into that connection that we all have with Adam and Eve, what they did in the garden. When they severed that relationship with God, then all their descendants ever since come into this world separated and spiritually dead. But by the finished work of Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to receive that free gift and become adopted and brought back to life, quickened as it says, spiritually brought to life and never to die again. Now, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Now, as I've said before, if sometimes you can go in and you're doing a study and you see a section of parentheses, that if you take out the section of parentheses and read it without that, and the the verses flow a little better in clearer to understand. So let's back up to verse 12, chapter 5, verse 12, where it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Right over to verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Found justified, found innocent by accepting and receiving the free gift of the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the main thing to, that he's telling us there. Even though we're all condemned already, unless we accept the finished work of Jesus Christ, then we are accepting the atonement and acknowledging the finished work of Jesus Christ and becoming justified, found innocent, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. 
right, now if you will turn to Romans chapter 11 and verse 33. It reads, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory for ever. Amen. The judgments, the righteousness, the knowledge, the wisdom is beyond what we can tap into with full understanding. We cannot comprehend it, but we can be given portions of it that give us a clearer understanding of the will of God in our lives. That's what we want to strive to have is the wisdom of God, the righteousness of God poured upon us, given to us the knowledge of Him, because then we can better understand His judgments, but we'll never fully understand Him while we're in this form. Romans chapter 14. We'll pick it up here in verse 1. It makes reference to the judgment seat. Reads, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Now, this caution is going to all those that deal with folks that come up and ask some questions that might be controversial due to someone trying to stir up a problem or a division, trying to plant seeds of doubt because of something they have found or something they don't like what they have found, and then try to get someone else to go along with their misguided beliefs, where it says doubtful disputations. Read it again. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Now he's getting into some particular subjects that they were dealing with in Rome at the time with some of the Judaizers and some of the Gnostics, and they were bringing up stuff and trying to bring the ordinances and statutes and so forth of the Old Testament over into the, to the New Testament time, Old Covenant, New Covenant. And one of them was that they weren't supposed to eat pork. And then they brought in some other foreign religions and practices and came in with those. And we still see things like this going on today. Now, there's a, a lot of people that are vegetarian and a lot of people that are vegans. But it's not based on religion. It's based on their personal choices of what they want to eat and what they don't want to eat which is perfectly fine. But when you try to apply a spiritual reference to what you eat and don't eat, that's what he's getting into here. You're not condemned to hell because of what you eat or don't eat or drink or the other ordinances. Because there's some 613 statutes, ordinances, and commandments of the Old Testament. 
And if you look at all those, they were all looking forward to the finished work of Jesus Christ and representative of and also were designed for obedience and a display of faith and trust in the Lord and your devotion to the Lord. Then Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price. Jesus Christ fulfilled the Old Testament. The Old Testament Look forward to what Jesus Christ would do for us. Now we look back at what he has done and look forward to what he is yet to do for us. And in that we are pardoned, we are separated, we are not obligated to fulfill the Old Testament laws. He pointed out the two great commandments, to love God with all your existence, to love others as yourself. Those two, the love is what he focused on. Not all the statutes and ordinances and the rituals and so forth of the Old Testament. And that's what Paul is getting into here in Rome. He was dealing with some folks that were insisting that the New Testament church still have to abide by all the statutes and ordinances of the Old Testament. He's clearly pointing out that you don't. Once again, him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. We are accountable to God, not to anyone else. God's our judge. Now this judging here is not talking about evaluating and looking at and determining whether they're this or that. This judge here is talking about condemning. Condemning someone because they eat or don't eat something. Regia, ye shall be holding up. For God is able to make him stand. God is the one that judges us in the form of condemnation to hold us to his laws, not anyone else. Verse 5, One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Fully persuaded in his own mind. Now this goes back to the day of the Sabbath. You have those that are still today saying that you have to abide by the Old Testament regulations, rules and regulations according to the Sabbath. I dare say there's very very little, if, if any person in the world, that truly abides by the full law of the Old Testament. So they get puffed up with arrogance, pride, because they do a few things that is shown, and then they want to apply that to someone else. The Sabbath is means a holy day. The Christian, the New Testament Christian church, looks at the holy day as Sunday because the first day of the week being the day of the resurrection. That is not part of the old Mosaic law of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the last day of the week, which is Saturday on our current calendar, but truly no one even knows what day of the week it is. Through all the centuries and through all the wars and through all the conflict, we don't know what day it is. We don't know what year it is. So no one can be so dogmatic saying, yes, this is the Sabbath day. Nope, we don't know. 
Are you on a Jewish calendar? Are you on the Roman calendar? Are you on a Mesopotamian calendar? What calendar are you using? But here he's saying, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. So if you choose a particular behavior as being something that is holy and righteous and has to be done, then you best do it. But don't try to impose that on somebody else. Because if there's something that you believe that in your heart that is something that you have to do in order to show your love and your obedience to God, and then you don't do that, you are in your own situation sinning. So you've got to be very careful with that. We have liberty. He tells us about that over and over through here. We are no longer bound by the Old Testament covenants and, and so forth. So don't be entangled in that. And that's what he was dealing with for these folks in Rome. They were getting all messed up. And it's to a point where everybody was just saying, well, forget it. I give up because nobody can abide by all this stuff. As it continues, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why doest thou judge thy brother? See, if you're going to come up with these things that you want to abide by as being your ritualistic religious walk, don't try to impose those on someone else and say that if they don't do that or do that, then they are condemned. Nope, not supposed to do such a thing. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone is going to give account for their actions individually it reads for it is written as i live saith the lord every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to god so then every one of us shall give account of himself to god let us not therefore judge one another any more but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's path you come up with some idea of, okay, this is a sin and this is not a sin that you imagined yourself or you brought back from the Old Testament trying to apply it to the New Testament time and then you're going to try to force someone else to do that and say if they don't do that or, or fail to do that or fail in one way or the other according to your ritualistic religious practice of the past, then you are in error. You have created a stumbling block for your brother and you will be held accountable for your actions which include harming someone else's walk with the Lord. Got to be very careful how we interact with others and definitely don't be condemning others for their behavior or their lack of behavior when it comes to those statutes and ordinances of the Old Testament and trying to bring them to the New Testament. All right, now if we'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, 
and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Coming together with a common belief in the word, in Jesus Christ, in his finished work. Reads for it hath been declared unto me of you, but my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. See when people get all hung up on some little nitpicking thing and then cause a division. Shouldn't be that way. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and I am Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? We've got to recognize, we follow and trust Jesus Christ, not Apollos, Paul, or Peter. No, we trust and follow Jesus Christ. Not anyone else, just Jesus Christ. Don't lift up preacher, pastor, missionary, no one as your shepherd or as your God or as we see this example here, how they were being divided. We see this clearly on display today with all the various so-called denominations of the churches. And it shouldn't be. It ought to be one Christian, Christ-like group, one family of God, one church of God. And that's it. Now, don't get me wrong in saying that I only believe in the current denomination called the Church of God. They just chose that as their title. But they don't even in, they're not in alignment with other denominations fully. Some common ground, yes. But they all have their own little nooks and crannies and little details. They like to have, well, we do this, but we don't do that. We recognize this, don't recognize that. And then you got to split why the church today is like a handful of gravel. It's just loose and crumbly. It shouldn't be that way. It ought to be coming together as a hunk of concrete bound together by the Holy Ghost and a common belief in Jesus Christ as, as our Lord and Savior. Then we would have an influence on this world like this world hasn't seen since Jesus was here. Alright, now let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. See some more references to the judge and judgment in First Corinthians chapter 4. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment Yea, I judge not mine own self. Here, Paul, in his letter to the church at Corinth, talking once again about how he was being judged by others. Shouldn't be. We only get judged by the Lord. It's for I know nothing by myself. Pointing out right there that what he has received is a gift from God, and he shares what the Lord has given him. Yet am I not hereby justified? But he that judgeth me is the Lord. 
He is the one we are accountable to, no one else. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. We answer to God, no one else. No one else. It's tough sometimes for a pastor in a position of leading a church where he has to feel like he's accountable to those patrons of the church. And he has to walk very carefully sometimes not to upset or offend the church members because his position as a pastor may be in jeopardy if he steps on the wrong toes. That's terrible that that's a situation that we see in most churches. But ultimately, we are only held accountable to the Lord, no one else. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Here we see a reference to the judgment seat of Christ. In Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Talking about our body that we currently have. We're looking forward to that glorious body that we're going to have one day. And he's talking about that here as he continues. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit, that down payment of the dwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost. Therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We are alive in this flesh body. We're absent from the Lord. We're not standing in the presence of the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We have that faith and that hope of one day having that glorious body and being face to face with the Lord. As it says in verse 8, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. That's the key. When we truly love God, we want to please God. We want to do His will. We want to be fully accepted of Him. And in verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. This clearly tells us the judgment, that we will all be judged. Now this judgment seat of Christ is for the born-again Christians. And... We're going to be looked at. What did we do with our lives from the moment we became a Christian to the moment that we're at judgment? All that's going to be looked at. 
everything that we said, everything we've done, every thought that we had is going to be looked at. All of our sins from the point we got saved back to the beginning are wiped away, gone, clean. Never to be brought back up against us again. As far as the east is from the west, taken away from us, as his word says. But everything that you did from the moment that you got saved to the moment of, of the judgment is all going to be looked at. If you sinned, did you ask for forgiveness for it? If you did something good, you're going to get a reward for it. If you did something bad, you're going to suffer a loss for it. All through there. Over and over we see these judgments according to their works, according to their works. And here it clearly puts it. Individually, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Good or bad, we're going to receive loss or are we going to receive reward? So keep it right all the time. If you stumble, get it back to the Lord. Ask for forgiveness. Get back on track. Start to rebuild those rewards. So you can hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for all the many things that we can find out when we dig into your word, how we can better please you, and so that we can all look forward to that judgment seat of Christ and not be cowering in fear. Thank you oh so much for all of it as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you.